Despite what many secularists, uh, atheists, and the 1619 Project have tried to claim, there is no question that America was founded on distinctly Christian principles. Now, some of the unquestionable facts are the Declaration of Independence refers to nature's God uh, being created equal, uh, being endowed by a creator, and even appealing to the supreme judge of the world. I don't know if you know this, God or uh, the divine is mentioned at least once in every one of the 50 state constitutions and nearly 200 times overall. You know, one of the very first rights to be protected in early America was the right of conscience, the right to believe differently on issues of religious faith. And as one of our presidents, John Quincy Adams, explained, this right was a product of Christianity. Jesus Christ, he said, came to teach and not to compel. His law was a law of liberty. He left the human mind and the human action free. Legal writer Stephen Cowell said, nonconformity, dissent, free inquiry, individual conviction, and mental independence are forever consecrated by the religion of the New Testament. Speaking of scripture, guys, these foundations, these liberties, these ideas have made America a country worth dying for. Don't believe me. Look at what links people have gone through to get to this country. Look at the links people have gone to to protect this country. Now, yes, in the past, America has been worth dying for, but we got to ask, what about now? I mean, we have sanctioned the slaughter of the innocent children through abortion. We've exalted sin and flaunted our rebellion in the face of God. We're indoctrinating children with a, a humanistic, materialistic, naturalistic, atheistic worldview from preschool all the way up through college. Is America still worth dying for? If you're new to the Creation Today Show, my name is Eric Hoven, and, and we're just on a mission to disciple the world. We want to turn stumbling blocks that keep people from seeing Jesus as the creator and redeemer of mankind into stepping stones on your journey to know the truth. So here's a question I want you to think about today. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the United States of America over your lifetime? You can tell me about laws, you can tell me about culture, religion. What kind of changes have you seen? Please just let me know right there in the chat. Guys, I'm so thankful uh, for my guest today and the fact that he's taking time to join us. It was 1971 while serving in the United States Marines that he gave his legs to America. Instead of quitting or becoming bitter against God when this tragedy happened, he let God use this major tragedy to propel him into ministry that no one could have imagined. His love for God and his love for America will be very clear by the time you hear him speak. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Tim Lee. Hey, Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. Eric, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. 
I know your story has been told time and time again around the country, around the world. It's been an inspiration in my personal life. I still get goosebumps when I'm at a basketball game or a baseball stadium and they sing the national anthem. And I think of your story and I think of of what you've done to, to give of your life for this country and for your savior. Can, can you give a little bit of your story uh, and what happened to you? Absolutely. Uh, I was raised in a pastor's home. My dad was a uh, Southern Baptist pastor for almost 60 years. I was raised in a great home. Wasn't a perfect home by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a great home. There were five of us kids, mom and dad, seven of us, and about a thousand square foot home. We were poor, but we really didn't know that we were poor. We loved life and we had a lot of fun. And uh, on a Sunday morning in January, I was only 10 years of age. And uh, uh, that morning I got into conviction. I realized I was a sinner and I've already, you know, I've, I'm 10. So I've been going to church since I was 10. Well, I've actually been going to church since nine months before I was ever born. So I've already heard a lot of Sunday school lessons, a lot of messages and a lot of teaching at home. But that morning, conviction came in my life. I realized I was a sinner. And when the invitation was given, I went forward. My mom came and knelt beside me as a 10-year-old boy. I repented of my sins and I received Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. God saved me that day, gave me uh, eternal life, and I was excited. But then when I became a teenager, uh, Eric, something else happened. It never happened overnight, but I started putting things before God. Sports became my God. Football, basketball, track and field, set records in the long jump and the hurdles, winning ribbons and trophies, but all the time getting further and further and further away from God. And uh, I became quite rebellious uh, out of the will of God. Out of five children, I was the only, I was the only kid that, that did this. The other, uh, my three brothers and my sisters were never rebellious at all, but I got with the wrong crowd. And I tell parents all the time, it's important who you, who you find out who your kids are hanging out with and where they're going and what they're doing. Uh, but I ended up uh, graduating from high school, but, but I got kicked out of college. I got fired from my job. I ended up joining the United States Marine Corps uh, and I ended up in Vietnam, March the 8th, 1971, 1.30 in the afternoon, I stepped on a 60 pound mine. And, it, and Eric, it should have killed me immediately. It was a big enough mine to destroy a Jeep. We'd entered a major minefield and uh, I, both my legs were gone. I, I, I didn't know how serious it was. I was unconscious only for a couple of minutes, but I knew I'd been hit. And uh, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of noise, a lot of smoke. Uh, my men thought we were taking on small arms fire. We weren't, but there was so much confusion. We didn't know for sure. And in the midst of all that confusion, my best friend, Corporal Lee Gore, uh, he and I flew to Vietnam on the same plane. We were, we were the best of friends. And he was a Christian living for God. I was saved, but I was running from God. And there with my head in his lap, a battlefield in South Vietnam, uh, Quang Nam province, I looked up and tears were running down his face, big old tears running down his face. He was begging God, uh, praying for me. And that day I prayed. I wanted to live. I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. And I begged God, Lord, if you'll let me live and get back home to my parents, I'll do what you want me to do. Well, God heard that cry. My story is a lot longer than that, but we only have a limited amount of time. But eight months in the Philadelphia Naval Hospital, surgery after surgery after surgery. But God heard my prayer, he heard the prayer of Corporal Lee Goy, heard the prayer of my parents, and he let me live, and here we are today. 
Oh, so many people underestimate the reality, the truth, the power of prayer, and they treat it like something magical. And it's not. It's a it's a cry to our heavenly, our Abba Father. That's beautiful. Well, God has certainly used you in my life and in the lives of tens of millions of people around the world uh, to go and share your story, the longer story. And by the way, if you guys uh, don't already know, you need to go to Tim's website. I, I, Tim, forgive me. Is it timlee.org or timlee.com? You got it. Timlee.org. That's what I thought. Timlee.org. And you got to just, you got to hear his whole story. Um, Tim, you, you gave your legs in service to America in protecting freedom, trying to stop the idea, if you don't know, the Vietnam War, we were trying to stop communism from spreading the, the ideas that have come from uh, the evolution worldview, from a, from a Marxist worldview. These ideas of communism, ideas have consequences. And America was founded uh, against the idea of communism and, and, and based on the truth of Scripture, Tim, it's a big question we got today, and honestly, I can see how a lot of Christians would be confused about America. And and some people think, well, we take American pride too seriously in the church, and others would say, no, we're we're not taking it seriously enough. Can you give us a a Vietnam vet's perspective and a, a, a servant of Christ's perspective on where America is at, where we're headed? I've even yeah. in the late eight, 1800s, I think it was uh, Mark Twain that said he could see the country slipping. And he said, I supposedly said, America is built on a tilt and everything loose slides to California. <laughs> I thought, well, he might have a point there. Where are we at? Well, I, I tell you, to me, this is, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give you something simple here that I think that is so real. But sometimes we try to make it so complex and, and it's simple. I go back to uh, when I was born and, you know, my parents' generation, they went through the Great Depression and, of course, World War II. And, and, um, but in nearly every church in America, there was an American flag. We had vacation Bible school. We pledged allegiance to the American flag. In every schoolroom, classroom, there was an American flag. We pledged allegiance to the American flag. Teachers prayed. They had Bibles sitting on their desks. It was a much simpler day, but somehow or another back uh, in the 60s, Madame Merle Heron and other events happened. We ended up starting pushing God out with the Supreme Court is much in the news right now, but we ended up pushing God uh, out and trying to kick God out. I think the judicial branch of our government is the branch that I am most concerned about today, telling God that we didn't need him anymore. And now we have pastors who almost ridicule and make fun of us who who say we love America, we we believe in America. Well, Eric, the truth of the matter is there's not another land where we can all get on a bunch of boats and planes and go over and start all over again. This is it. So this is why I say that America's worth living for, America's worth fighting for, and if needs be, America is worth dying for. And I look at my children, and maybe not even so much for their generation anymore as it is for my grandchildren. And, and if the Lord uh, tarries is coming, and we don't see a touch of real revival in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, why so? What are our children and our grandchildren going to face a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? Where in the world are we going to be? And so I think it's worth us getting involved and fighting for, if we could just go back to some of those simpler days, which maybe is, that's an impossibility, I don't know.
but it looks like we were winning back then. It looks like we were doing pretty good. It looks like everything was going. We weren't perfect by no stretch of the imagination, but we were a great country. And and now I think we're a good country. But I, I think some of that greatness has has, uh, has has gone by us and and because we didn't fight, because we didn't stand up, because preachers were mamby-pamby, and, and, and they begin to make excuses, and they begin to say, this is not our fight. Our, our home is in heaven. Well, sure it is. But while we're here, God left us here for a reason and for a purpose, not to sit here and watch this country be destroyed, but to fight for it. And I believe it's worth fighting for. Today in America, we have many young people being indoctrinated with a materialistic, atheistic worldview. Uh, I would say religion in the schools uh, from kindergarten and even pre-K all the way up through college. Uh, do you see, I mean, you've been, you've been traveling and, and preaching for years. Have you watched churches and have you watched culture shift over this time, making it more and more difficult to sh even share the gospel? Absolutely. When I, when I first started evangelism in 1979, I was invited to schools all over the country. I'm talking about public schools. They would welcome me in uh, and, and I would always ask them. So I, I wanted to be, I didn't want to make it hard for the guy coming behind me. I always wanted to leave the door open and I didn't want to close those doors. And I would ask them, you know, what, what are my limitations? And where do you, where, where are you telling me that I can say it or what I can't say? This is a public school. You're the principal. I'm placing myself under your authority. I had freedom. I had carte blanche. I could go in and give the gospel. I gave invitations many times in, in schools that had 2,000, 3,000, even 4,000 students, and not a word was ever said. And then all of a sudden, you begin to hear the ACLU uh, coming out and, and, and upset. And, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe the ACLU is what's wrong with America. It's, and maybe they're the ones that got us in to this position maybe we need to kick them out and we need to go back to the things that were working and that we were doing and it was good for america it was good for our children it was, it was good for our homes and good for our churches what is it that you encourage christians to do when you when you want to say listen at the end of the day here's what you need to do what what do you like to encourage people to do not only for for the the kingdom's sake for for our, the spiritual world but for the for the preservation of America. Now it's not was well, not just some wishy washy. Uh, let's just all pray for America. I believe prayer is important, and I'm not minimizing that at all. But you got to get involved. You got to take a stand. You've got to. Uh, there are good people in our churches who are smart and articulate and and have God bless them with finances, run for school board, run for the uh, 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 for city council, for the county commissioner, maybe even look at a state office. You know, you don't all, you don't all have to start out as being a United States senator or the president of the United States. You can start out on a local level and get, I really believe there's more influence and more impact made on the local level than there is on the state level. And so people have to get involved, but they got to realize, well, well, that, there's politics is dirty. Yes, it's dirty. That's why we need you in there to help clean this mess up and, and, and get your hands dirty, get your feet wet and not be afraid to take a stand. Boy, if we ever need preachers today with, with, uh, with a spine and with backbone and with courage, uh, if, 
if the Supreme Court or all this is happening, what we're seeing is going on in America today, if there's ever been a time for preachers to take a stand and for church members to take a stand and get involved is the day in which we're living right now. What is it, in your opinion, that made America so great? What What do you think really set the stage to, because I look at it and I go, it looks like God has blessed this country. It looks like yeah. the hand of God has guided this country with all of our good and all of our bad. It seems like the hand of God is just, just like when we read the good and the bad of Israel. Uh, it seems like God was guiding. What do you think it is that's that's made well, America who she is? Yeah, well, I think that our forefathers, you said it at the beginning today, they, they had room for God. They knew they couldn't do it on their own, and they were dependent upon God. Our history and heritage goes back even to the days of Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus wrote one book called The Book of Prophecy, and uh, there are so many things I could quote from that uh, from that book. I saw a copy of the original in the British Museum in London years ago, but he wrote concerning his discovery of, of this part of the world. He, he said, the Lord put in my mind to sail from Spain to the Indies. I could feel his hand upon me. He said, all who heard my project rejected it with laughter and ridicule against me. And then he said, there is no doubt that my inspiration to sail came from the Holy Ghost of God because he comforted me with a ray of illumination from the Holy Scriptures, encouraging me to sail on till I found the country. So God in America's history goes back over 500 years and then to the, uh, to the uh, pilgrims and to the Puritans that came to America seeking a better way. They were tired of, of living uh, un under the under the king of, of England, they came to America. There were no skyscrapers. There were no interstate highway systems. There were no great big factory buildings here. There was nothing here but a vast wilderness and freedom. And they wanted that freedom. And they were willing to die for that freedom. Many of them did die on the way here. And when they got here, there were harsh winters. There were diseases. There were problems. There were troubles. But they didn't get on the ships and go back. They stayed because America was worth dying for. And they believe that then, and I believe that now. We have a lot of younger people that watch the show. If you were to talk to them, because I am now a parent, uh, got a daughter who's getting married uh, soon, and I'm recognizing the reality of what I've heard the older generation say for a long time, man, you got to do this for your grandchildren. And it does seem that with age comes wisdom, and you start seeing the importance of preserving freedom, preserving liberty, because if you don't have that, oh my goodness, you 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 really do have nothing. Talk to the young people and, and, I don't know, maybe remind them of some things of the past or tell them why should they care so much now when they're young instead of waiting till they're old to realize the importance of this this reality that this this great experiment of of freedom in America has has been something divinely orchestrated by God. Well, Erica, first of all, I'd say to the parents that are that have these children and then grandparents, we have such a great responsibility, mm -hmm. and uh, somebody's got to teach our children. And uh, I'm I'm telling people more and more, that, you know, quit sending your kids. I, I for, you know for a long I believe the public school is a still a mission field. I really do believe that the prisons are a mission field, but I don't want my children to go live in a prison. And so I'm more and more, I'm telling parents, you better be finding out what's being taught to your children, what's being fed into their minds. 
because you, you, you know, you think taking them to church for an hour and a half, hour and a, half of a week is going to offset what they're being taught five and six, seven hours a day at the, at the public school. So parents have a responsibility to teach their children and to bring them up in the nourishment and the admonition of the Lord, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. But to the young people, especially the teenagers and young adults today, I, I tell them, look around. This is your country. This is your land. And if and now you're getting, you're you're going to have some responsibility. It's falling on you now. And and uh, we talk about young people being the future of America. But well, the truth of the matter is, they're they're America today, right now. It's not just the future, but even right now. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to unload such a heavy burden because I want them to live their life and enjoy life and have fun in life. But even at 15, 16, 17 years of age, young people can get a burden and young people can pray and young people study history. If they can get, they can get, in a, I mean, we're a relatively young nation as far as, as nations go. We're not an old nation. And, and so it wouldn't take too long for them to go back and study the real history of America and see where we were at and where we've come to and what is happening now. It's a spiritual warfare that we're fighting. It is a real spiritual warfare that's going on in America. And that real battle right now used to be for our teenagers, Erica. They were coming after the minds of our teenagers. Now they're going after the minds of our kindergarten students and our first graders. My soul, whoever thought we would see this kind of stuff go on in America. So now life, it, it, it boils my blood and it makes me want to take a, even a stronger stand and fight even harder and get involved even more and, and to try to fire up these young people and these children to say, hey, this is your country. Now's your turn. Let's just start getting involved. Well, I am right here in Florida, as you know, and I've we are experiencing that battle all the way down to kindergarten through third grade uh, in the way that children are indoctrinated. And, you know, I, I do, I think about this and I go, so many times we, we do, we just want, we just want the American dream. We just, we want to live off the, the work of others and experience these freedoms and not help preserve them for the next generation. Because uh, I, I, I think about the, the students that are just kind of living life and they're just, they're just they're they're having fun and they don't see a bigger picture of a need to get involved when it seems like it's the the secularists it's the ones who uh, have rejected god it's the atheists that have said hey you know what let's let's create a future that's more like what we are and so they're the ones who've gotten the educations to go be the teachers and to go be the influencers and create the future that they want and it's because there's just a lack of Christians being willing to step up to that plate and step into that role. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I mean, when you see what is happening, uh, you know, like with the Disney deal there in Florida, thank God for uh, Ron DeSantis with courage and backbone yeah. to stand up and say, oh, enough is enough is enough. Well, that's what's got to go on all over America. And it's not just being a governor, but it's being on the, on the city council and on the school board and saying to those people, enough is enough. No, these are our children. You're not going to toy with them. You're not going to play with them. We're not going to talk gender uh, uh, gender roles uh, to a first grader and a second grader. I don't even think they ought to be talking to them to a fifth and sixth and seventh grade. I, don't, I think the parents ought to be talking to their children. It's a parent's responsibility. It's not the school's responsibility. And so... Man alive, I, I'm, I, you've got me fired up now. I'm ready to go to 
I'm ready to go to war today and get, you know, bring some people along with me, get these kids involved. I've, I've had a burden for young people to my two great favorite people, uh, favorite groups of people to speak to are, are men, which I'm not discounting the women. I hope no one misunderstands me, but where are the men? Where are the courageous men? Where are the fighters? This country with, we were, we, we started out in a war. Our nation started out in a war. And there were men who fought that war and men who died and men who bled. And, and then World War One, World War Two, and Korea and Vietnam. And all these men, all these men were willing to fight and lay down their life. And now young people today is free this and free that. Give me this. Give me that. And, and somehow or another, somebody needs to shake them to the core and say that life is not about you getting a free phone. Life is not about you getting free, somebody giving you a free school. It's not free. Somebody's going to pay for it and and to teach them and help them to understand and to fight for it. I think pastors have more responsibility than, than we're letting on. I think a lot of these pastors have abdicated, have given up, have thrown in the towel, and they don't want to get involved. And I'm saying, is America worth fighting for? You better believe it. Thank God that we still do have the freedoms that we have today. Um, we're watching these freedoms being eroded, um, and it's it's a privilege to see what's happening as people are fighting back. I think of the pro-life movement right now and the possibility that very soon the Roe versus Wade decision, it looks like it will be overturned, but then uh, we just talked to Dr. Uh, Dr. William, Dr. Bill Lyle, um, a couple of weeks ago on the show. And he said, Eric, this is great, but now we have 50 different battles that are going to be taking place across 50 different states. And so we need even more people involved. It doesn't make the issue easier. That battle is still going to have to take place. Um, yeah, wow. Then, Eric, the, the demons of hell, the, the, this, this one issue, I'm, I'm, I mean, people are going nuts. People are losing their mind. But I mean, sacrificing babies for for all these years has been a commonplace thing, and now these people are seeing that they're maybe about to lose it. So you're right; it'll go back, kick back to the state. So it's going to be a continual fight, and if people are not willing to fight there, then they'll they'll lose again. It'll be back to normal. But these people, I mean, they're it's demonic. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their on their faces. It's demonic, and they they think they're going to lose this. This thing of killing babies, they've gone nuts. I think a lot of people miss that. And the older I get, the longer I live, the more I see this is not just a physical battle. This isn't just about some dirt that we call America. This isn't just about our Constitution, although that is a big part of it. It is a spiritual war taking place. How would you... Can you help people understand why this is a it's more of a spiritual battle even than it is a physical battle well it and and let's let's look at it two ways first of all there is some physical parts that we're fighting for a little baby we're fighting for their right to to live and if they can't speak up for themselves so we we must and so i i, I went to jail uh back in the late uh 80s. I did a Veterans Day meeting in Washington, D.C., and we had a uh, protest uh, set in at the Hillcrest uh, Women's Center there, one of the biggest abortion providers in the uh, Washington, D.C. area. And there were there were like 150 of us veterans. We all went to jail that day. And uh, 
But it was just, it was, I, 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 I'd never been to jail. And I actually got claustrophobia. They threw us all in the same cell. And some of them, I don't think, had taken a shower for a couple of days or something. <laughs> I, I, I thought, man, I don't want to be in here very long. But, but uh, we know of five women that day that changed their minds about having an abortion. So I'm thinking that, it, you know, the, the physical part of it is real. But then the spiritual warfare, the battle, that's why we've got to redouble our prayer efforts. And Oswald Chambers said that prayer is does not lead us to the greater work. He said prayer is the greater work. I don't think people realize how much authority they have and how much power that God has given them if they would only pray. And if we go to the Father and, and if we go in Jesus' name and, and we begin to pray, praying for you know, God can mess. We've seen this happen. I believe this. God can mess with the minds of leaders. And these people think they're so smart and they're so gifted. And and in God, I've seen, I've seen, and, and I'm not making fun, but I've seen our president's mind has, has been messed with. And our speaker of the house's mind, the way she talks sometimes, it's been, our, our God can get involved with it. We pray and we say, God, would you do this? And could you intervene here? Could you give me wisdom to help me to know what I should say and not say? And and we pray and we I don't think we understand how much power we have that God's given to us through prayer. And, and it's like the old country preacher said, if you have little prayer, you're going to have little power. You have more prayer, you have more power. You have much prayer, you have much power. Well, we need a lot of power today to, to go up against this enemy and to fight these battles. We can't do it in our own flesh. We've got to do it in the spirit of the Lord. Wow. Um, hey, if you're joining me from Facebook or YouTube or on our podcast or television show, I want to say thank you guys for kind of peering into the Creation Today community. We're just a community of individuals that enjoy these kind of conversations that strengthen our faith in the Word of God. And and really give us a desire to continue living the way God wants us to live in this present world. Um, we do this through this kind of discipleship every week with conversations so that we can be exactly who God has called us to be. And if you ever want to join our community, come on over to creationtoday.org. I'm going to have to let you guys go, but uh, I'm going to continue with, with Tim uh, for our Creation Today partners. Because I want, Tim, I want you to be able to share a little bit about your ministry and what you do uh, even now. And you've been doing it for years. And I, I got to say, well, I, I'll get to that in just a second. Um, it, it, YouTube, Facebook, um, uh, podcast listeners and Take Creation Today show listeners on television stations around the world, Thank you uh, for being part of the Creation Today show today. Uh, I, I hope you'll visit timlee.org and look at what he's doing around the country, the, the efforts that he's spearheading, and the places that he's going to try to encourage the church to be what we are called to be. Thank you guys for joining us.